Hey, good morning. All right. Uh, just, I know Tracy mentioned earlier on uh, about Summer Spectacular yesterday, but I just want to say again, you folks are absolutely amazing. The stories that I heard you yesterday, people that I talked to who live downtown around Victoria Park, their gratitude for your service to our community for trying to make this place uh, a better place to live, to share the love of Christ in very practical ways. You know, and as a result of that, look, it's not because of, uh, you know, it's not because of my preaching or the great music or, you know, how good the pastor looks or any of that, thank goodness, uh, or any of that stuff around here that really is the secret sauce to what God is doing uh, and, and why this spring, or into the summer rather, this summer, our average attendance is about 100 to 150 more than last year for the same time. It's because of people like you and how hard you are working to allow God's spirit to work through you to share his love with our community. And would you just thank everybody around this room too, the people beside you. for what everyone is doing to extend the kingdom of God to our community, both here and around the world. And so uh, to get started today, uh, I have a question for you. Nous sommes prêts? Are you ready? Here's the question. Are you ready to study God's word today? Okay. Uh, you might want to grab a Bible today as well, because we're going to hunker down in a particular passage of Scripture that we will get to in just a little bit. But to get started, I want you to think about this. Have you ever had a goal in your life? Have you ever had, had something that you wanted to accomplish? And I would assume that the answer for everybody is yes, of course. Because if you ever get to the point in your life where you don't have anything left you want to accomplish, there's nothing else you want to experience, that's a bad sign. Because making progress is hardwired into our DNA. There are things we want to see, places we want to go, things we want to experience. And here's what is cool. Did you know that that part of you, that, that driven Part, that that uh, creative, that motivated part of you is actually the reflection of God, his image in your life. Why are you driven to accomplishment? It is the image of God in you. See, long before time, God looked upon nothingness and said, I want there to be something more. And out of God's creative desire, the whole universe was formed. And each day he created more and more until the pinnacle of his creation, man and woman, created two distinct genders that together reflect the very image of God. See, by the Bible is a story of progress. Everything is moving towards something. The Bible is a story. History is a story. And that thing in you that wants something great as a parent for your kids, that's like God. That thing in you as a young person that looks forward to something great for your future, that is God. 
his reflection, his image inside of you. That thing in you as a leader that wants something great for your business or for your community or for your church, that is a beautiful thing because it is a reflection of the image of God in you. But there is also a problem. There's also a great danger in this. That desire for momentum and accomplishment to do more and more, even the desire to do good things and God-honoring things can actually lead us in a temptation to take shortcuts. Let's, let's talk about what a shortcut is. This is a great definition from Andy Stanley who talks about this, that a shortcut that we're talking about today is the temptation to get what you want by compromising something you value. Isn't that the root of temptation? Many times it's the desire to get something that is good, but to get it the wrong way. And we say, oh, you know, I know I probably shouldn't do this. Oh, I know I might regret it later. Oh, I know that the Bible talks about this and I, and I know that I probably shouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want other people to find out about it, but I just need this right now. I just want it. And see, in those moments of decision, we learn two very important things about ourselves. In those moments, you discover, number one, who you really are, and number two, whose you really are. See, in moments where we are tempted to compromise what we value in order to get what we want, it reveals a problem down inside of us about who we really are, in other words, what we really value when it all comes down, and who we belong to, have we really placed God first in our lives? And so when you understand this, it starts to bring things into perspective, and you begin to realize that even temptation can come out of a godly desire. You're like, well, how can this be? That doesn't make any sense. How could temptation sometimes come out of a godly desire. It's really, really simple. If you can get this, this is the big idea today. Every sin is simply trying to fulfill a God-given desire, but trying to fulfill it outside of the parameters that God has established. And this is why sin is so seductive. Because it, at first, it seems like something that God actually wants for us. And there's a seed of truth in that. Remember the desire to accomplish and to experience and to create? That is good. That is the image of God in us. But the problem is when in our desire to accomplish, we take shortcuts and cheat and lie or operate out of pride and selfish ambition and we try to start to build our own kingdom rather than building God's kingdom? What about sexual sin, sexual immorality? Where does that come from? It comes from a God-given desire for relational intimacy. We were created in the image of God with a very real capacity to love and receive love. 
But the truth is that the only perfect love that can be found is the perfect love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so the temptation is to seek that fulfillment in ways other than in God, outside of the parameters that he has established. How about greed or consumerism? I would suggest that greed and consumerism comes out of a godly desire to feel safe and secure and stable, like I don't have to worry about tomorrow if I can have enough stuff. But see, the problem is that that true security and stability to not have to worry can only come in a relationship with God. And the problem is when we seek that in the things of the world instead of in Him. Is this making sense? How so often the problem is not the desire itself initially, that, that, that those desires were placed in us in order to drive us towards God. But the problem becomes, the trouble that we get into is when we begin to try to fulfill those God-given desires by seeking it outside of the parameters that God has established. The Rolling Stones uh, sing, I can't get no. Oh man, the 10 of you sounded awesome. <laughs> Try it again. I can't get no. Why? Because I tried and I tried and I tried. One more. And I tried. Why? 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 Because the only satisfaction that can fulfill the longing in our hearts is God. King Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter two, beginning in verse four, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. He said, I had it all. I, I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. He, in, in other words, he says, I exercised this creative ability that God had me, had placed in me to do more. I bought male and female servants and had other slaves who were born in my house and said, I mean, that didn't work out. He said, I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well. And if you know the biblical story, you know that Solomon pursued a lot of women. He said, the delights of a man's heart I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. And see, that is what Satan tries to do with us. He tries to convince us that the world can give us that which only God can provide. 
And you know he tried to trick Jesus in the exact same way? Do you realize that in the same ways that Satan tries to trick you, he used the same tricks on Jesus? And so today, let's grab our Bibles or on your phone and find Matthew chapter 4. Now we're going to dive into Matthew chapter 4 and spend two weeks with this this Sunday and next Sunday. And the reason that we are going to spend so much time with this one story is because in it, we learn a whole bunch of valuable lessons concerning how Satan works. And what Satan does in this story is he comes to Jesus in a time of weakness in a time of vulnerability. And then Satan takes scripture and he takes these desires that God has put in us and he tries to twist them for his own purpose. And you know that happens in all of our lives, right? It's, Satan is really not as creative as we think he is, right? Now he's persistent, he's tricky, but he's not creative. Because all Satan does is take that which God has already put in place and then he twists it for his own purpose to bring about destruction. And so we're here in Matthew chapter four. Let's start at the beginning of the chapter in verse one. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was what? He was hungry. Now that is an understatement, right? Jesus has not eaten in over a month. He is all kinds of ready for a Big Mac and some Timbits. But why? Why? Because this was a season of spiritual discipline for Jesus. This is a season where he is being prepared to go out and do his public ministry. And sometimes God will ask you to give up some things in a season of preparation, to teach you some lessons, to to help you grow, to get you ready for what God wants to do in your life. And so Jesus is in this season of fasting when Satan comes along in verse three. Verse three, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So let's talk about this for a minute. Was it a sin for Jesus to be hungry? No, hunger is a natural craving of the body. It's not a problem. But the problem was Satan was tempting Jesus to satisfy his hunger outside of the parameters that God had established. And for us, this can be about food. It could be about alcohol or substances, those things that we put in our body trying to make us feel better, trying to dull the pain rather than taking it to God. This could be about our sexual cravings. This could be about our our desire to feel attractive and be noticed or even the desire to be healthy and physically fit. See, it's a legitimate desire, but it can lead 
to some unhealthy things. Let me read to you an article that was in the news just this week. I, uh, Tracy and I read it on Apple News this week. It's about the singer Grimes. And uh, Grimes is a Canadian 31-year-old pop music superstar. And she is dating another Canadian, Elon Musk, the world-famous billionaire who's uh, in charge of and started uh, Tesla motors, uh, Tesla cars, and uh, SpaceX, and makes flamethrowers and all kinds of crazy stuff. And so the article says that Grimes is willing to go to great lengths to feel her best, even if it means trying out experimental surgeries. The singer detailed her health and fitness regimen, including her decision to have part of her eyeball removed to cure seasonal depression. She said, I eliminated all blue light from my vision through an experimental surgery that removes the top film of my eyeball and replaces it with an orange ultraflex polymer that my friend and I made in the lab this past winter as a means to cure seasonal depression. She also follows a daily regimen, beginning in the morning with supplements and moves into her workouts and mental health practices. She says, I first maintain a healthy cellular routine where I maximize the function of my mitochondria with supplements such as NAD+, acetal L-carnitine, magnesium, and more, she said, to help promote ATP, and it is incredibly visceral. She says, from that point on, I spend two to four hours every day in my deprivation tank, which allows me to astroglide into other dimensions, past, present, and future. From there, she does her workout. In the afternoons, I do a one to two hour sword fighting session with my trainer. She says, where we go over the fundamentals that work the obliques, core stabilizers, and triceps, as well as a few tricks, and then to wind down, I spend 30 to 45 minutes every day on an inclined hike at roughly four to four and a half miles per hour, arguably the most efficient workout. Grimes then moves to her recording studio, but she has a few specifications. She says, I then spend 45 minutes stretching before heading into the studio where my mind and body are functioning at peak level with a neuroplastic goal between 57.5 and 71.5 APHCs, which is my preferred range for my blood type. She said, I have outfitted my studio with the highest grade of red light. It is pretty much a 1,000 square foot sauna. Hannah then comes over and we do a screaming session for 20 to 25 minutes. I am not making this up, folks. <laughs> While I slow boil the honey tea to maximize my vocal proficiency. Okay, let me, let me stop there in the article. Three thoughts. Number one, some people spend too much time on the internet reading about health stuff. <laughs> Number two, only Jesus can fulfill the longing in your heart. And no matter how much you try to perfect your body, it will never be enough. And number three, Jesus shows us that no matter what your body craves, satisfying the urges of your body can never satisfy the longing in your soul. 
blessing. If only the world could understand this today. It would answer so many questions in our society today if people would realize that the unfiltered pursuit of satisfying the urges of your body will never satisfy the longing of your soul. And so here's the next temptation, verse five. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, Satan said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And so this was temptation number two. And it's the temptation to manipulate God rather than cooperate with him. Satan says, you should be able to write your own rules, Jesus. Instead of the father telling you what to do, you should start telling him what to do. You should become the the master of your own destiny. And we listen and we think, oh yeah, that sounds right. I should be able to take charge of my own destiny. I should be able to jump off the pinnacle of the temple. I should be able to jump into debt. I should be able to jump into whatever relationship. I should be able to write my own rules and do whatever I want. And then when things don't turn out well in my life, I'll just blame God. See, listen, This is the temptation to take life in my own hands rather than leaving it in God's hand. And so then here's the third temptation, verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, Satan said, if you will bow down and worship me. Satan said, look, Jesus, if you will just bow down to me, just for a minute, not forever. See, that's the lie of temptation. It's just this one time. Just do it this, this one minute. Nobody else is looking. Nobody else will know. But Jesus, if you will bow down to worship me, just for a minute, then I will give you all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and all power and authority. Now, we're not gonna spend too much time on this third temptation today because we're going to come back next week and drill into this really, really deeply because in this temptation, we learn a lot of valuable lessons and it answers a lot of questions in our lives. But here, really quickly, is just a summary of the third temptation. It's to believe that the world can give you a quicker, easier way to get what the Father has already promised. See, listen, you need to understand that the Father wants good things for you. See, that, that is, again, it's one of the lies of the enemy. God doesn't want good things for you. God just wants to keep you away from fun and all that. Listen, no, 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 no. You need to understand what the Father wants for you is good. But Satan comes along and says, you don't have to do that. The Father's way is too hard. I have an easier way for you. 
And what Satan was offering, all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, the Father had already promised. You gotta get this. You see, that is the very reason for which Jesus came into the world, to establish the reign of his kingdom upon the earth. But Satan says, oh, whoa, 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 I can give you that, what the Father has promised, but I can give it to you an easier way. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, oh, now get this, here's the important part, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Listen, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. Because in order for Jesus to establish his kingdom, he had to die on the cross. In other words, the path to the Father's promise was going to involve some pain. And you need to understand something. The path to the Father's promise is not always going to be simple and easy and without cost. When someone comes along and offers a quick, easy solution, be wary. But in order for the kingdom and rule of Jesus to be established on this earth, first he was going to have to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins. There was no clean, simple, easy way to accomplish what the Father had promised. See, for Jesus, for Jesus, the only path to the Father's promise was through the cross. There was no other way. And that's what we have to understand today. The same is true for you and me. The only path to the Father's promise is through the cross. There is no other way. But then, then Satan comes along and says, oh, no, 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 you don't have to do that. He pretends to offer a shortcut to you, a better way, an easier way to find happiness. But in response to that temptation, Jesus says, get away from me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And listen, I'm here to tell you today, there is only one path to the good stuff that God has for you for his kingdom, for his promises, and it is through the cross of Jesus Christ.
Will you stand with me? I've been so excited about sharing this, this passage of scripture over these next two weeks in Matthew chapter four because I think you'll agree with me, there is so much insight in just these 11 verses for our lives. But for some of you, the main thing that God wants to speak into your life today is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to follow the Father's plan for your forgiveness. And if you're here today and you have never surrendered to him, you've never said, Father, I'm sorry for the ways that I've pursued my own goals rather than seeking your purpose. If you've never confessed your sin and believed on the Lord Jesus for your forgiveness, today could be your day. Would you just close your eyes and just spend a moment <laughs> meditating upon his promise today? Is God speaking to your heart? Can you hear him call your name? If so, and today you're ready to surrender to him and receive this new life, this new beginning that he offers you to join his kingdom, to become part of his family. Just right now in your heart, would you pray and say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I see today how I have been listening to the lies of the enemy. I can see in my life the destruction that has come about because of the choices that I've made, trying to find my purpose and my satisfaction in places other than you. And right now, would you tell him, tell him right now, I believe that you love me. And right now in your heart, would you confess your sin? Confess and say, I need you today. Lord, come in and change me. Forgive me for my sin. I commit to follow you. I surrender my life to you. Right now, tell him that in your heart. This is between you and God. And I receive it. I receive your gift of new life. Heavenly Father, I might not know what that means for my future yet, but I trust that you are good and that your promises are good. And I will begin to search your word as the foundation upon which to build my life.
And so now, Heavenly Father, for anyone who has prayed that prayer in this room today, oh, Lord, may right now they feel your arms of love wrapping around them. Lord, may they be able to feel that the chains are falling off and freedom is rising up in their soul, that we are passing from death into new life, from darkness to light, from a dead end to a new beginning. And so for that, we thank you today, Lord, and we lift your name, we lift your praise in this place as we sing the words of this new song that we heard this morning. Might you come and have your way, Lord, however you want, however you want to do it, Lord, like a fire, like a flood, do whatever you want in my life, God, today. Would you make that the prayer of your heart? Like